You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Welcome, viewers and listeners, and people around the world who can't view us. When did you put up a camera? Where is it? Don't tell me I'm on camera. There's no camera. You're on camera today. It no one camera can watch us. Microphone. <laughs> no one can watch us. Thank <laughs> goodness. Um, it's not that kind of day. Yeah, I feel like we only just did a podcast, and that is true. Cause it's really only... just. I mean, it was last Saturday, and this is Thursday. It's like, yeah. But now we're doing another one. Um, what oh, is yes. the before the after the show discussion from you? You, it wasn't from me. It was you over there bitching and moaning about a new hard yeah. drive you got that's listen, not working. Listen to company, like listen to <laughs> listen to me, companies, <laughs> especially Western Digital who sent me this hard drive. Okay, so I had a Western Digital hard drive go bad after less than a year. So I ARA made it back to them. I packaged it quite nicely and sent it back broken. They sent me a new one back. Got to give it to them very quickly. Four days, I got a new one back. But it was a drive in a box. <laughs> Imagine a hard drive without any retail packaging inside a static bag. So it's just a bare drive in a bag. And it was... The box had like a bird's nest of bubble wrap. And then it was sat on top of that bird's nest of bubble wrap. And you know, hard drives are quite heavy. So over the journey the hard drive the weight of it compressed the um bubble wrap downwards so eventually there was a hard drive rattling around in a box with a flat cushion of bubble wrap now i've had hard drives before don't know about you where they come like sandwiched in between two foam blocks and then placed in a box so they can't really move at all that's how hard drives have always been packaged in my life whenever I've ordered It's not really that big of a mystery. They put it in the box wrong, and now it's screwed up. And uh, I'm saying, but a hard drive <laughs> company, you would think... I, w- I wouldn't... Um, was it from them, or was it from Amazon? No, it's from Western Digital. Directly? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. A hard drive company, mm. I think, would have more sense than Amazon. Amazon don't have any sense. They just throw things in boxes. What have we had in boxes? I've had a box as big as our kitchen counter, almost, with one item inside it. You know how Amazon operate. They just They're not very good at packaging. They just get a box, throw something in it. I have had a stick of RAM in a box as big as the kitchen cabinet, which is like, and loads of brown paper and just this stick of RAM. It's like, what happened? Did you run out of other boxes or did, is nobody paying attention? Or does a robot package it? But anyway, hard drives. I think you're trying to answer questions that are unanswerable. If you have a hard drive <laughs> and you're shipping it to anybody, companies... Ship it properly, because it will arrive broken if you don't. Um, and this one did. It makes a horrible noise when you when you turn it on, and it doesn't do anything. So um, it is not Saturday, January the 28th. It'll be the week of that. And it's after the show number 464. The movie we're looking at this week is The Accountant. We are a movie review podcast. And it's a 2016 movie released on January the 17th. So you can pick this one up now. It's on Blu-ray and 4K Ultra HD and DVD. It's rated R. And it's from uh, our friends at Warner Brothers. And Sid Talk will give you the synopsis of the movie The Accountant. A guy does a bunch of math. Guns are fired. <laughs> I'll give you my synopsis. <laughs> Batman versus The Punisher. <laughs> 
That's fair. That's a fair assessment. So all that mix all that together. A mathematician, an accountant, gunfire, Batman, the Punisher. That pretty much is it. Yeah, it's a superhero slash accounting movie. It's about a man who, if you think about movies like Taken, where you have this sort of mild-mannered, unassuming... Or not just that one, but uh, Run All Night. Yeah, you know, anything with Liam Neeson, you're movie. saying. <laughs> yeah, well, that's too happen to have him. <laughs> but you have uh, a man with hidden... The other one where he's, there's a wolf. Correct, Grey. Grey. <laughs> well, you right. don't know... The Grey. The Grey. Yeah. We also discussed that. <laughs> <laughs> but any of these movies where you have... Or these stories where you have a man who now is in a certain um, serene-ish loner type of life and yet there's something hidden beneath that you don't know about you know now jason Bourne, you could argue could be that in the first 20 minutes of the first movie because he doesn't even know he's until never some serene, shit goes though, down well in the beginning he doesn't even know yeah, he knows then, how to yeah. do that stuff but um the other topic we were discussing was the lazy naming of <laughs> stories like the gray the American, the accountant. Now, when I said Batman. when I said to you earlier today, oh, we're watching the accountant today, and you said that sounds riveting. <laughs> so it is this movie being called the accountant with what it is really. <laughs> yeah, is it kind of you know you might think why do I want to watch the a American? Movie Same. Yeah, why do I want to watch a movie about an accountant? Actually, it's probably... intriguing enough. No, I'm saying you probably do want to watch a movie yeah. about an accountant, but maybe not about just an accountant doing accountant stuff. Maybe one of these type of accountants. So, um, this movie, um, I didn't know a lot about it, apart from the trailer. Did you see the trailer? No. Yeah, you probably did. Maybe, uh, but I don't, one of the one I don't remember it. Um, I'd not heard a lot about it. I've not heard a lot of people speaking about it. Um, but, after The Girl on the Train last week, which I thoroughly disenjoyed, is that a word? <laughs> Unenjoyed. You know, unenjoyed didn't would have enjoy. you enjoyed it and something then undid your enjoyment. You never enjoyed it. So. No, I just didn't enjoy that one. Um, sorry, Emily Blunt. <laughs> um, but this one, The Accountant, thoroughly enjoyed. It was a surprise for me. Quite a big surprise. Uh, it really is almost like a superhero movie. It's, it's not, because there are no special powers or anything. But neither is the Punisher in The Punisher. He's yeah. just a guy who's badass, Neither right? is Batman. Right. They're just badass people. Badass. So this guy is an accountant. Neither is Iron Man. No. Well, his power is money. He has no power. He has but, no superpower. So there's this accountant guy, played by Ben Affleck, at the beginning of the movie. You know, he's an accountant. He's very good at being an accountant. He'll find, you know, <laughs> this, this company's... Somebody's been... Ripping the company off, and he's sent in to examine the. We're books. talking about high-level accounting. Yeah, here. we're not talking about no. Joe Schmo who does my taxes, no. my little W forty. He goes into that. this big billionaire company and tries to figure out by. We didn't mention. Yeah, the story is he's also a big, autistic. Huge, a big, huge company comes along and wants to hire him because somebody, this accountant lady, finds that some money might be missing. The woman, there's a woman and a man, brother and sister in charge of the whole company. The sister wants to find out, get to the bottom of it. And so she finds out through You hire the else. best accountant. You hire the best. Who's this guy? Sort of like above all the rest kind right. of a guy. And he's an autistic fellow. So that's... Mathematics savant. Mathematics is his thing. And he's also, because of the autism, not particularly sociable <laughs> or... He's, he comes across very cold 
he's really part. He's just there to do his. I like it when he first arrives and the he speaks to the the two, and he's saying, "I'm here to do the accountant job for you," and they've hired him. And then he says, "How long have you worked here?" to to the one guy, and the guy says, "I've worked here like 15 years." He goes, "I need the last 15 years worth of books," and he goes, "You." What did he say to well, me? Well, he's implying that <laughs> yeah, those implying 15 it, years... You might have done it. Yeah, you didn't explain <laughs> that. But he needs, he wants, he wants wanted 10 years. Right. But he's very blunt. Yeah, he's very... very yeah. um Detached. The people skills are not there for him, you know? There's a, a, a young lady who likes, wants to have a chat with him, really, at, at the beginning. But uh, there's no really chatting with him. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what he does. So um, what did you think of The Accountant? What do you... I enjoyed it. What do you um? Why do you keep rubbing everything over there? What did it um have any? I enjoyed it all. I thought it was interesting, and I think the performances are really good. It's one of those sort of hyped up sort of stories, you know, because I don't know that anyone's ever going to be that well trained, or the circumstances of his youth are that his father didn't want him to be a bullied because of his. He he clearly saw that his son. He couldn't just get over his problems. Of the difficulty functioning. So he was going to basically bully the shit out of him through different means. Not just himself, but actual military training as a child and all this stuff. So would that actually, like a Jason Bourne, could you actually create a human who is almost indestructible, can fight anything, speak loads of languages? Probably you can, but it's like that. You have to turn off your... It's not really grounded in much reality in that aspect, to me anyway. And the fact that the filmmakers wanted to take a person who has, you know, this, they're on the spectrum, as we say now. Yeah. That they can be, you know, functioning and be productive. And I'm thinking he's a productive, like, assassin, basically. Um, he's He's not a mercenary, but he'll kill anybody. That's another part of this movie that he's not just the accountant of big money and he's not just like, defending himself he's proactively prepared to kill anybody yeah like that's not exactly someone to aspire to like half this movie is him being very good at being an accountant and the that side of him and then the other half is literally him being the punisher of batman Mm -hmm. like just absolutely like or jason bourne at some point like he's just he's perfectly trained he's got all the equipment he's got loads of money he's all of them combined really He is, he's, and that's why I say it felt like a superhero. And he's got anger, not only that's built in because of his issues, but built in because of things that have happened. Yeah. And he's he's very... The disconnect when you're having a, a casual conversation with him is very interesting, and then the disconnect when it comes time for him to do his... What he Bad thinks is it. his duty is also just as... It's equal, because he could just look at a person and boom, 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 boom. There's no. He's cold when he, he doesn't have that built-in <laughs> nothing. He's it's he does a really well good job. I mean, I'm a I'm an Affleck fan, so he's good at the, the. There are some spoilers here when we do review this movie, so go and watch it and come back when you've watched it. Goodbye. All right, so there are action scenes towards the end of the film, um, when he is being an assassin, and it is literally like Leon the professional. He's like this guy who. He's very. He's just cold. He's just. Fight. He points his gun. Sometimes he doesn't even look, and it definitely is going to hit the person. Sometimes he just puts his hand behind his back because he knows somebody's there. Shoots them like he's got sixth sense. <laughs> I know he hasn't, but he's heightened in some way. Yeah, exactly. Um, but there's a. He takes out literally like a whole platoon of mercs. Um, 
they they just in these kind of movies meat when for the Greek meat grinder. yeah when there's a really badass person and you know they're going to win. <laughs> Well, you don't the mercs are always win. idiots. Like they don't I, know. I always think, I they always don't think, think they're going to lose. Yeah, but I always think like you always see these mercs and you're doing this, and we did in we've been watching Luke Cage at the you know, and if you've seen Marvel's Luke Cage, the bad guy has a bunch of henchmen, and those henchmen always come off as idiots when it comes down to it. Like when it comes down to it, they just and in this movie, they're supposed to be the best of the best. They always come up as the worst of the worst all of a sudden because our hero can do anything, right? He can. So yeah, in this, when he totally obliterates the whole pack of platoon, that's kind of what he does. Um, I liked the idea of the accountant part of it. I wish they'd have done a bit more of that. Him, I liked the bit where he was locked and he locked himself in this room with windows. You'd like to have seen him sitting at a little desk with the lady who owns the nail shop or something and actually just. Like hammering her taxes, yeah. like boom, done. Yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. But they, and they kind of uh, he didn't do smaller jobs like that. He you know, did these big audits for these big companies and stuff. But and you get it fairly quick how good he is. But I would have liked a bit more time in that and a little bit less time in the shooting part. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I feel like the shooting part was more of this movie because that's what they wanted to You wanted a bit to. more Beautiful Minds and a little less Jason Bourne. Yeah. And that's what this movie is. It's like Beautiful Mind meets Jason Bourne, really. It's, it's two halves. It's this, like, intelligent, you know, thriller at the beginning. And at the end, it's an action movie. Well, not at the end. Halfway through, it's an action movie. A pure action movie. Good fight sequence. It doesn't take away for me from the intelligent part. So, um, I mean, I'm not a fight sequence person, so I get a little bored through the... If, if it's two minutes or more, I'm kind of like, I oh, get it, I get it, he's going to kick everybody's ass. Let's just move on. But it was Good fine. fight sequences. There were some this. good ones, yeah. There's one that he does in a bathroom that is very Jason Bourne. As I was watching it, I was like, well, this is like um, Matt Damon's best friend here, Ben, has suddenly turned into Jason Bourne. <laughs> uh, so that's happening. Um, then there's like the big shootout sequence, which was really cool. I like the um, part where he goes to the the people's farm who he did the taxis for, because they kind of strike a little bond with yeah. him. Yeah, and uh, he's there's firing. a little taxing doing. Yeah, that little deal there, and that was quite funny as well. There, um, there is some humor in this movie, you know, when he's interviewing those two, the two farm couple. It's a little, it's limited, it's a little but funny. It's there. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's a bit of everything. I think um, if you like. It ain't a straight-up action movie. It's actually quite different. That's That was one of the things I appreciated of it about it. It's different than Jason Bourne. Because it's not about espionage or, you know, James Bond. About some dude who's going to take over the world. Correct. It's not about any of that. It's just... He's, he has a singular mission of his own. He's made it up. He's built his own thing. He doesn't appear to work for any bigger thing. No. I mean, there is well, the illusion of yeah. that or whatever. Spoilers, of course. But, mm. um, yeah, he's kind of his own one-man show. And I think his father instilled in him, you have to do your own thing or the world will chew you up and spit you out. And I think that that character, that's a good... It sticks with him throughout the whole character of the movie. He never lightens up. He never loosens up. His shoulders never drop. He never loses that... We, that I really like that. Intense gaze. Yeah, it's not like you get you get to undo him. And I like he how, just stays the same. I liked how they didn't throw like a love interest in to soften him up, kind of, even though they do. 
but it's very appropriate to it's know. not like oh yeah. oh i'm pining over this girl or oh this girl's really obsessed with him it's not like that it's a bit less even that's detached which i, I liked it's it's not the obvious at the end they're going to be kissing each other kind of thing not the obvious hollywood kind of love story it's not really a love story it is it's just a no it is it's yeah just but nothing that... it's not yeah, but it is a love story. You're just comparing it to, like, fucking Titanic. But it's not Titanic. It's a different thing. She totally gets him. And not on a friend level. Because she looks at him and she does it in a way that you understand. She sees something in him that she would be like, I could attach to this person very easily. And then all the stuff that happens, realistically, she doesn't just fall into his arms. No, that's what I like. Yeah, but it is a love story for sure. Um... And uh, it has some cool music. This, the actual sound design in this movie is awesome. When he's firing that whatever that huge gun is that he fires. <laughs> yeah. In the extras, I was like, I can't wait to find out what that big gun is that he's firing. And then the guy who did the guns in the movie talked about the other two guns that were not that one. I was like, what? <laughs> that's, the mo- that's the gun that stands out in this movie. It makes a hell of a noise. And uh, in surround sound, it is insane. It's like like there's a bullet coming through your own wall. Um, but yeah, the action was really well filmed. It's not a shaky cam movie like Jason Bourne has resorted to. You, you know, it's it's a nice looking, steady shot kind of movie. And there are some really good performances. So going into the cast, we have Ben Affleck as Christian Wolf. What do you think, Christian Wolf? Really good. I mean, he. It's not. I'm a fan of him though, so that makes me biased. But I think that he does a good job of. For me, removing Van Affleck, there is not the loose charm where his shoulders are down and he has that little bit of lean forward on everybody. He just is. We've watched him for 20 years. We know how he is. We've seen him in interviews. We've seen him in, as a director behind the scenes, his body language. And this, all of that is erased. There's no charm. There's nothing but no the, the concrete of him against the world. And I feel like that elevated it a lot he uh there's a one scene where he's talking to dana cummings the girl in it and he's outside they're eating lunch and she says about him uh, says about like this darky guy who had a pocket protector and he mm-hmm. opens his thing and said i have a father pocket, i have a pocket protector and um that conversation there i felt some personality coming out of him and it was only because he was talking to her i think she was slightly cracking him like yeah yeah because she was a bit persistent asking him things and um, but it was good. I really liked his performance. It's different than Batman, because Batman has to be the charming, suave Bruce Wayne also. Ben Affleck. With a Whereas <laughs> the accountant is never really a charming, he's just no. a very functional dude, you know? Well, almost unfunctional, but functional in his own way. Anna Kendrick plays Dana Cummings. What did you think of her? What do you think of her? I like Anna Kendrick. I follow her on Twitter. She's very funny. Um... I've liked her since Up in the Air, which was... Uh, remember that one? Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, and in this, I think she's really good too. She's ve- she's very... Um, something very subtle about her, I think. I've seen her in like really silly comedies, and I don't ever think she fully fits in those. But in she's this... She's definitely better than that. Yeah, in this kind of thing, like a drama, she really... I think she does a good job. She's... Um, there's something very unassuming about her. She just seems like... doesn't You know like glamorous actresses? There's an air about them that's a bit 
sometimes a bit too much. She isn't like that. She just seems like a girl. Like, or a woman. A woman. <laughs> who, who you know, like. She's just like a, you know, there, you know. She's not like the, uh, I'm trying to think of some glamorous actresses that are a bit above themselves. Like, you know. She comes across grounded. What do you think of her? In this. Yeah, I think she's good. She, her whole character shows through as soon as she starts talking. And I'm convinced she's an accountant. And I'm convinced she works for this company. And that she wants to do good. And that she found this thing that she thinks is wrong. And she just wants to fix it. Not for any reason except, like, it's wrong and we need to fix it. One and thing I should she say. She doesn't get all mushy about it. Um, one, we, the very first time we see her, she's asleep on the desk. She's fell asleep on this desk because she's been preparing these accounts all night. And then she wakes up. This is one thing I would say to Hollywood people, yeah. uh, filmmakers. <laughs> if you're going to do that, let the person actually fall asleep and then wake them up. Yeah, to she do looks the perfectly fine. Because she didn't look like she'd been asleep. <laughs> and it, and it, always, it always breaks it for me that I, I, I've seen some things, TV shows especially, where it looks like the person went asleep. We watch EastEnders. There are some scenes sometimes yeah. where somebody wakes up and you go, wow, it looks like they woke up. But there was no way she had just woke up, was it? <laughs> um, so uh, Cynthia Adai Robinson plays Mary Beth Medina. What did you think of her? She's, it's a small part. Which I liked her. I liked her a lot. I don't because know. Because she felt exactly right. I mean, because I don't know of her. I'm convinced she's a good agent and she works with the Treasury Department. So it's not like FBI or CIA or anything. And, you know, everybody has their little secrets in this movie. And she has hers. It's it's not outlandish. It makes perfect sense. Yep. I like that she doesn't turn into a superhero. She doesn't turn into super agent. Anything. We don't... She doesn't even get any action. She's she just kind of literally gets to the just bottom part of, of the machine yeah. that kind of keeps the accountants going. And the whole... The story of it does teeter on... We have the story of superheroes we've had for many years and gods and goddesses and all this, where they they do something to right a wrong, but they do it outside of any other laws of man at all. They just decide to right the wrong. And in the process, people die, things go wrong, you know, there's consequences. And yet, doing the right thing is bigger than the negative consequences so in this we have the accountant who has his own moral code type of thing he will just kill a bunch of people because he wants to right the wrongs and then he can't just do that on his own there is some other system in place that we learn along the way that sort of goes hand in hand with him and they have to turn a blind eye just like the just like when we watch batman the stupid old tv show and the commissioner and the you know the mayor have to let batman solve the crimes when in fact it should be the police always or whatever you know it's a stupid example but it's the same thing it's a superhero thing we have to let the vigilante do the work for us because they have to skirt the line of really right and wrong and we have to just sort of make everything look right over here and i like that about this story and most of her scenes go along with jk simmons who you all know he plays ray king what do you think of him he's like a I he's liked not, his, he's always the same. I though. liked his look, though. He looked like he came from another era, which yeah, he did. I don't like the um, obviously. I never like this. I've got. I'm going to retire very soon, so I've got to get to the bottom of this thing. That kind of an always annoys me in movies. Why? Why do you even have to do that? You don't have to do that. <laughs> uh, and he says, "I've got so many months to re- before I retire. We're going to get to the thing. bottom of this." Yeah, he, he does say that. 
J.K. Simmons, I really like him, though. Whiplash really turned me around on him, like what he can do. Whiplash is an amazing movie. You really should see that. <laughs> uh, this, I think he did a good job. He's um, kind of fun, but kind of authoritative at the same time. John Bernthal plays Brax. You'll know John Bernthal. He is the Punisher. He is also from... Walking Dead. He's uh, only Shane to me. Yeah. Uh, I like him. Uh, when they introduced the Punisher in Daredevil and he came on the screen and started being the Punisher, I was like, I hadn't even thought of him. He'd been in The Walking Dead and he was... Spoilers. They killed him in The Walking <laughs> Dead. And then he'd not been in The Walking Dead for years and then he turned up on the Punisher and I was like... Holy shit, this guy is, he's the, the Punisher, he's, he is it. Now in this, he pretty much plays the Punisher again. It's, it's almost the Punisher. Absolutely. It's just this, you know, hardcore merc who is there to protect people. And, uh, he will do anything to protect them. Protect? In this uh, movie, he's here to protect his client. His client? He's not yeah. protecting it. Don't make him sound good. No, he's not good. I'm, he's I'm, protecting the bad guys. Yeah. The bad guys are the ones who want him to go out and kill everybody so that their interests are kept intact. So he's a mercenary. And the Punisher has also got grey morals. Well, no, he he knows, he has his moral code. This guy has no moral code. He is for hire. Yeah. A merc, whatever. Mercenary. (laughs) I understand. For hire. So that doesn't mean, he's not protecting shit. No, he's protecting his client, which is John Lithgow. Protecting makes him sound noble. He's not fucking noble. He's a dick. No, I'm not saying terrible. he's noble. I'm saying he's protecting his client. He is uh, is the bad guy. Yeah. As opposed to Ben Affleck, who you could say is the good guy, but is he a good guy? Because he also will kill a bunch of people. So that's the question. Yeah. But um, what do you think of John Bernthal? I liked him a lot. I think I think he was really good. I. There are moments that I thought were really good, and there are moments when he was just. Freaking Shane. And it made me crazy. Where he has these little affectations that just make him... He does this sort of strut like he's in Saturday Night Fever. And I'm like, ugh, drop it. Because that's the Shane thing where he would do this thing with his shoulders. He's like cocky, like, yeah. Cocky and just like, yeah. And you just hear the... Da, ah, ah, stand like he wasn't right in Saturday Night Fever. But the strut <laughs> was John walking down the sidewalk is like this thing. Are you saying he's a modern day John Travolta? I just want him... No, he's lesser <laughs> than that. But he just, I just want to shake him. And then in the Punisher, he loses that. Yeah, he does because you know? he's hard, hard. Yeah, he's like, more hard. Yeah. He's more thoughtful. He's more quiet. He's, he does less of this like weird moving around. He's not and got shit. any hair in the Punisher where he's got that kind of he's got like a frock in this one a little bit. But, you know, it's a different character. So I mean, he's a fine. I just want to lose the Shane. <laughs> I'm fine. He doesn't rub his head all the time like Shane. No, he doesn't. But he does in The Punisher. He rubs his head in The Punisher, too. <laughs> Whenever he's got a shaved head, he's going to rub it. So, um, finally, Jeffrey Tambor as uh, Francis Silverberg. What do you think, Jeffrey? Jeffrey's always pretty good. Yeah. He kind of does the same thing all the time. I'm, I'm not... I can't tell a lie. Apparently, he's really fantastic in Transparent. Yeah, of course. I'd love but, uh, to watch that. So, he's going to be different in that. But, yeah, he's... I mean, this is just... He's the wise old man passing on information. He's He's the... One of the mentors, basically. Yeah. He's, he's uh, fine. Yeah, he's got a command about him. Mm-hmm. Directed by Gavin O'Connor, who directed Warrior. I haven't seen Warrior. It's a boxing movie um, with Joel Edgerton. I probably should see it because I love Joel Edgerton. <laughs> uh, but what do you think of this direction here? I, I think it was pretty good. I, I, He didn't do Shaky Cam, which in the last Bond movie was annoying. 
He did action scenes that actually looked decent. You know what? There's the the action scene at the end where they're all shooting and going towards the house. There's a part where a guy is just shooting at a little wall because he's hid behind a little wall and the guy's just yeah. shooting at the wall. Yeah. And I was like, that actually looks real. Like it did. Like yeah. Somebody that one I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, like it looked like that's what somebody. Because in would movies do. you're supposed to feel safe when someone just drops behind a wall, but that was like, uh, no, it, that's, that's like, not safe. <laughs> in real life, somebody behind that wall. That's probably what you'd do with a machine gun: just fire around like into the wall, <laughs> and they're gonna get winged, aren't they? But um, I thought the direction was good. It was. Always clear what was going on. Sometimes in firefights and stuff, you get a bit like, hold on, who's over there and what's that? There was none of that. It no, was quite clear. it was very, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I think he did quite well. I don't know this director at all. Never. I mean, I've not seen Warrior and he did a lot of TV stuff. But I, I if he does this kind of thing, I, uh, I'm, and, and I enjoy it. So extras on this Blu-ray, there are three. They're just featurettes. I don't know if they're good. Um, they give you a little bit of insight into this movie. It's they, pretty promotional. Promotional. They talk a bit about, you know, Asperger's and what the director wanted to do. Like, um, But everybody talks in there. It's not like anybody's too good to be on the little clips. But it isn't. It's not going to blow your mind. There's no commentary. It's just those three items. Probably about 15 minutes worth of stuff. So conclusion on The Accountant. I liked it. Yeah, I did as well. After last week, and I know you liked the girl on the train. I mm-hmm. didn't, so I was ready for like something good, and I was like, "Please don't be bad. Please don't be bad." <laughs> and it was actually good, so I recommend the accountant. Very good. I, I love Ben Affleck. That other Ben Affleck film that they uh, advertise at the beginning of this is a trailer for it. The one that he's directed. That looks amazing. It does look good. Yeah, that looks. Live in the night or something like Live that. Live by night. Live by night. Yeah, it looked. Ooh, that that was my kind of shit. It was <laughs> like um. It's like a, like a gangster movie from the old days. But yeah, that looked good. So, um, yeah, Ben Affleck. So uh, thanks to Warner for the Blu-ray. And uh, if you want to enter a contest, go to aceglue.com. We've got some contests going at the moment. Uh, next week, you'll be able to win a copy of uh, From Dust Till Dawn Season 3 from El Rey. So go to aceglue.com next week. Next week's Blu-ray review will be The Ninth Life of Lewis Drax. Say that with your teeth not in. Um, and that stuff. Some of those weird British sayings. Say that with your teeth not in. <laughs> yes. Okay. Say that with your teeth out. Um, yeah, The Ninth Life of Louis Strax. We'll be looking at that next week. Movie recommendations. I'm going on the theme of The Accountant. I'll recommend you two movies. You should watch them because I said so. Number one is The Losers. This is a movie that Warner Brothers put out several years ago. Stars Chris Evans, who you now know as Captain America. He wasn't at that time. And uh, it's, it's actually a comic book adaptation. And it reminded me a lot of this movie. If if you would have told me this movie... This isn't a comic book adaptation, but it feels like one. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, and The Losers is also that. They're a bunch of... They're a crew that get put together to do some... It's very funny, The Losers, but it's also like kind of gruesome and action-packed. And I don't think many people have seen it. I don't think it did particularly well at the time. And my second one is The American starring George Clooney. Which is one of my favourite... It's such a quiet movie. He's on his own most of the time and he's doing his mission. He's a hitman. He's the hidden... It's a man who appears to be under control and yet underneath there's something seething. And it's just really good. There's action scenes in that that feel the most real that I've ever seen in a movie. 
It's like a dude scrambling up a hill, driving a car, trying to get to his position to snipe some guy. It's awesome. So, yeah, the, the American with a George Clooney. And yours are based on the accountant? Not based on the accountant. Mine are based on the year 1987. So these movies would have been released 30 years ago. So these are. This seems like incredible that it's this old, but Raising Arizona. I've never seen it. You like Nicolas Cage. And you like Coen Brothers. I believe it's the Coen Brothers. Yeah, I think so. And it's got Holly Hunter. I think if I watched it now, fresh and I'd never seen it before, I would be thinking it's really pretentious and up its own ass for being so different and weird. But at the time, being 19 years old, I think it was 19, 18, 19, and it was just absolutely amazing. I think it's like amazing. Uh, Nicolas Cage is in Wild at Heart, which uh, David Lynch did back in the day. And I saw it as a teenager yeah. and went... Oh my fucking God, that is like incredible. <laughs> I can't believe somebody would do that. And I think if I watched it now, I might go, what the hell was I thinking? That is... Uh, yeah. But you never know. Because you never know. It's full of itself. It is, yes. Yeah. It's definitely full of itself, but it was put out in 1987. And the other one is one of your one of your franchise favorites. Maybe not one of your favorite movies of a franchise, but Evil Dead 2. One of my favorite horror movies. Was, I really uh, think it's a good Number horror. two? Two is... Uh, one is my favorite in the series. Right. I, it, one was the one I saw a lot. Sure. And it's not quite as... And again, if you watched it now, at your age, without ever having seen it before, I you would think, just think it's goofy and stupid. Yeah, but it, it hits you at a certain time and then it stays with you, right? That's like The Evil Dead. I watched it. I was a teenager. I hadn't really seen anything like that. So now it's the first thing of that type that I really saw, like gory horror movies. So I will never forget it. And then we've seen lots of Evil Dead since, including Ash vs. Evil Dead. Awesome. I mean, it's it's not awesome, but it is that something like that exists and people love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome that it exists. Now, talking of uh, horror, my Games and A Scully stuff this week, there's a massive big release this week, and that's Resident Evil 7. Um, I thought that was really clever, how they did the, um, the logo for Resident Evil 7. It's... It says Resident Evil, and the evil at the end is Roman numerals for seven. It's the, uh, I'm trying to figure it out, E-V-I-L. They actually, the, seven they is don't, they V-I-I. Don't, yeah, that's in the evil, like they don't have the seven, but it's still, I have to look at the logo to uh, confirm that, but I thought it was pretty cool. So Resident Evil 7, it's the seventh Resident Evil game. It isn't the seventh Resident Evil game, actually. It is way more than that. Just it's the seventh in the mainline series. There are spin-offs, too. So, um, there's, it's, it's a huge change for Resident Evil. The last two games, five and six, people do not like. They, in fact, they, fans of the franchise uh, kind of ditched it and said, oh my god, this is never going to get good again. What the hell are they doing? And I kind of agree, and the problem with the Resident Evil franchise is, and it's the same with the movies really, is the story gets too convoluted. Like, it gets yeah. to a point where you're like, I don't know my Wesker from my T-Virus. I don't know what's going on. Like, I, it's too much stuff going on. Like, you keep adding things. You need to simplify it. And number six, Resident Evil 6, the game, was so convoluted, I don't even know what was happening. 
There was three separate campaigns in Resident Evil 6. Three full games in one game. Played from the perspective of three different people. And I've played, I have tried to play it through start to finish so many times. After about 20 minutes of each campaign, I can't take it anymore. I just can't play it. It's so bad. It, it controls bad. The voice acting is terrible. And there is, it's just bad. So, Resident Evil 7, what they did, and I really appreciate this, is they went back to basics. Now, the very first Resident Evil game, number one, it all took place in this mansion, just in the mansion, and the whole game takes place there. It's very claustrophobic, you have very little ammo, and there's some horrible shit inside the mansion that you have to defend yourself against. Very horrible. In this game, number seven, we take it back to basics. The big change, though, is, for the first time ever, it's first person and not third person. You don't see your character. I mean, you see, if you look down, you can see his legs and his arms, but you are the person, pretty much. Is Ethan. He's called Ethan, but you're kind of from his eyes. It makes the game way more terrifying. It is actually terrifying, this game. You jumped and you weren't even playing it. Right? I did. I was like, yeah. holy crap, I'm not even looking at that, that sound and that weird... Oh, it ter- oh. It's terrifying. I sat here playing it with my headphones on at 2 o'clock in the morning the other night. And I got to a point where I couldn't take it anymore. I had to turn it off. Not because like I was pissing myself or shitting myself. Just that I was like, my nerves are actually on edge at this point. Like, something... It keeps jump... Stuff keeps jump... It's a lot of jump scares. And in uh, movies, people always say, oh, that's lazy. It's like the lazy horror jump scares. But in a game, because you're the actual person and you're in control you're a bit more invested movies don't generally get me with scares jump scares don't usually get me uh it's very rare it has to be something that is completely out of out of left field and i go oh shit but in games all of them get me and there's a big difference there's something to be said for like vr is coming up like movies that take place in vr where it's from your perspective I think they could be very effective in, in the future as to immersing you into a story. be interesting to see what people do with that. But this um, Resident Evil 7, it's from first-person point of view. It's going back to basics. What happens at the beginning of the game is um, this guy, Ethan, his wife went missing three years ago. And... was his girlfriend. His girlfriend. No, it's his wife. Mm. She went missing three years ago. And, you know... Three years later, you you know somebody goes missing and they don't come back. You presume dead or whatever. He gets an email, and it's from his wife three years later, saying, "Come and get me. I'm here." So he goes, and there's this creepy ass mansion, very similar to the first game. And uh, this creepy ass mansion, <laughs> creepy ass mansion. It is a creepy ass mansion, right? It's as creepy as you can possibly make a creepy ass place. It makes you feel a little filthy. It's gross. Yeah. It's creaky. Rotting. The whole place Everything's is... Everything's rotting. The, even the, the buildings making a noise all the time. It's creepy. It's it's like a, a haunted house thing. What they, you go yeah, and definitely. Um, it's all designed to make you scared. And you go there and you try and find your girlfriend. And I have to say, you do find her fairly early on. <laughs> Spoiler! But things are not what they seem. <laughs> there are a family who live in this house called the Bakers. And they are the most effed up family. 
See, this Resident Evil game is not like the first game or the other games because it doesn't deal with zombies. It deals with a fucked up family. Think um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's very Texas Chainsaw Massacre. House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah, it's like some messed up people. Or what's the one from X-Files? Yeah, home. Yeah. It's like these messed up people. And they're not zombies that come out of your shambling. There is something else going on. Mold. Something to do with mold. That's kind of gross. <laughs> but these people are relentless. I mean, relentless. The The father of the family seems to chase me around a lot. And it's not a fun chase. I'm not being... I'm not talking about um, hide and seek or running around like, oh, come and chase me with the Benny Hill music playing. I'm talking about terrifying a man with a... What does he have? Like a shovel or something? And he's just constantly pursuing you and you'll try and hide behind something and he'll see you and you're, tr- you're trying to do something. What was I doing yesterday? I was stood in a room minding my own business reading a letter off a... There was a letter on a table. Picked it up and started to read it. And I was reading it to you telling you about the backstory of this game. And he, he started attacking me exactly. while I was reading the letter. Like you felt safe and you weren't. <laughs> so like, yeah, you're not really safe. Nothing feels safe. It just feels dirty and terrifying. That's all I can say, really. It's, you sh- if you like horror games in any way, shape, or form, this is like not only Resident Evil getting back to what it was good at, taking it further with this first-person view that is makes it even more intense. If you buy it on the PS4, I'm playing it on the PC. But if you buy it on the PS4 and you have the PS virtual reality, you can play the whole game through virtual reality. I can imagine that is absolutely terrifying. If you're just totally blocked off. And you'll just... I think it's funny how you are... They're so separate for you. A movie doesn't do much for you, but a game, because you're doing it, it makes you feel something else. It does. It's... um, You would also have the same experience. You don't play that kind of game. Mm -mm. But if you did, there's there's something more... You're joined to it more. Sure. It's weird. Because you really... It's really just like watching a, a film. There's a story happening right in front of your eyes. But you're doing it. But... Because you're doing it when you actually go around the corner. In the horror movie, like Annabelle, when the camera goes around the corner, you're just on that ride of what the director's doing, right? You're going around the corner. In a game, you choose to walk around the corner or you don't, right? You choose to pick up the phone or you don't. You choose to attack the zombie or run away. Like, it's more visceral because you're in... So, yeah, Resident Evil 7, what a fantastic start to this year's games. They're back to, you know... Back to what they do best. I hope they all stay in first person now from now on because it definitely makes it more scary. Uh, and secondly, I've been playing Overwatch. Been playing it for a long time now, but because it is Chinese New Year at the moment and Overwatch is played a hell of a lot in China, they have a special event on. Like they did at Christmas, like they did at Halloween. There's a new special event called the Year of the Rooster because this year is Chinese New Year of the Rooster. And if you're an Overwatch player and you log on, you get a free loot crate that's got some uh, New Year, Chinese New Year stuff in it. And you can uh, unlock some new skins and stuff that are all based on the Chinese New Year. So I just wanted to let you know about that. Um, and there's also a new mode. It's like a capture the flag mode and it's called Capture the Rooster. So you can see where that's going. So um, Sven Gooley, what is it? Not on tonight. <laughs> it's True. a horror host. True. 
A guy dresses up in a funny costume, tells lots of bad jokes, and he presents a horror-slash-horror comedy movie from the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, maybe the 70s. And uh, it's called Spangooly. And this coming week will be, because it's not on tonight, uh, The Invisible Man Returns. And Which you made a no comment sense. that you couldn't find any pictures of The Invisible Man, and I said, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> That's not a surprise. True. So what is for dinner before we leave? Before we leave this room, we're not having dinner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, it will be curry-flavored tofu, which we both really enjoy. And I'm still trying, I'm still puzzling over why when you bring up tofu, people act weird. It's it's like the one of the most devious brainwashing ploys of all time. It's like an advertising campaign to match no other. That people who have never tasted it Never seen it in person, never noticed it in the store, but you say tofu and they're like, ugh, you eat tofu? They don't even know what it is. All it is is soy milk that has an enzyme added, the same that makes cheese, like dairy cheese. It's not a dairy enzyme, it's just another thing that helps coagulate the, the milk, which is what you do to milk to make cheese. I don't know if you know this, but cheese is like rotten milk. And soy milk is a, is a, I mean, a tofu is a semi-fermented, solidified version of soy milk. That's it. It's soybeans with water. It makes a milky substance, which has all the protein, all the nutrients that come out of the soybeans. And that's it. It's, it boggles my mind after having been eating it now for nine years that people still go. Yeah. But like they'll eat just, cheese or something like that. It's like. <laughs> yeah. Like you're. If you're drinking milk, eating cheese and dairy, and we still do dairy, but, I mean, the reality is it is another species, another animal's reproductive fluid that is, by the nature of it, it's got infection in it in a lot of animals, it's got blood samples in it from a lot of animals, it's got a lot of gross shit in it, and then it goes through a bunch of processes, and then you drink it and pour it on your milk, on your cereal, and they turn it into cheese by rotting it a bit, letting it sit for many years sometimes, which is more of a fermenting and rotting process. I don't know what it's really called. They add stuff to it to make it all hard and firm so then you can melt it on your pizza. I mean, people say, oh, you have to do so much to tofu to make it taste good. Right. So how do you... Yeah, what do you do? So you we just go out to the cow and slice off a piece and eat it? Do you think yeah, that's how you, you eat beef? You have to do all... You have to put your barbecue sauce on. You have Not to... just that. You have to kill the animal. You have to drain the blood. You have to take out the guts. You have to take off the skin. You have to process the meat. You have to give well, the mean, animal Well, I mean, they don't itself. have to do that. They just go to the store. I mean, someone has done all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tofu is no different. So, yeah, when you buy a steak... Arguably, yes. Some people would say, I just throw it on the grill and I eat it. I don't even put salt on it and I love it. Fair enough. However, most people wouldn't say that. Every chef would say, Cover it give rub. it seasonings yeah. and all kinds of stuff and cook it just right and get the balance just right and all that stuff. It's no different. So I have this crusade. I don't even care if you like tofu. I don't give a shit. But why do you automatically think it's weird or gross? It just, it makes no sense. Because if I go get a slab of cheese... Or a slab of tofu. It's just no different. If you haven't tasted it, and granted, it. you might have tried it and it and didn't taste good to you. Yeah, because it can not taste good. It can't not taste good, but so can anything else. And I don't like it when when you just slice it off and uh, you say, "Oh, I, I kind of like it like that." Yeah, I don't like it like that. It 
I don't know. It's it, very natural tasting, yeah. and you don't like the dist- you don't even like soy milk. So no. to be fair, that's what it is. Yeah. It's just a plainish. It tastes like a bean, but it's liquefied and then hard, hard. But I love it when fat. it's cooked and it's got a bit of a brown on it. All yeah, all I do is throw yeah. in the skillet. It's got some curry paste on it right now. Throw it in the skillet for a few minutes. I don't even overdo it anymore. I don't get it all crunchy or anything, even though that's really good. Good. But once it once it heats up through, I love the texture. I mean. So that's why it's definitely something that people are afraid of and have heard about it but don't know really know what it is. Yeah, they associate it with yeah. like a weird skinny hippy dippy tree hugging as people have said to me, are you a tree hugging freak? I'm like, well, freak maybe. <laughs> Not tree hugger. But it's a protein Define like like fish or meat or it's a, a Yeah, if I can eat a handful can... of peanuts or yeah. a plate full of tofu or a dead animal or drink a glass of Animal reproductive fluid that doesn't belong to my species. Why do you care if I eat some bean juice? You know, like bodybuilders make those um, protein shakes and they down them all the time. Could they could actually make a tofu? They do. So there are soy-based ones, right? Oh, there's loads of those. Yeah, because they're loaded with to- protein. That's easy to digest. Because it's loads of protein. Some people don't like soy, and it's not, you know, not you know, it's this thing. Everything else, you could be allergic to it. But so we're having curry flavored tofu, and some of my famous jasmine like, rice. Jasmine rice with the peas and the carrots and a little bit of all my cheap seasonings that I throw in there. I have this weird combination now that I just throw it at the pan, put the lid on, let it cook. It's delicious. I think it's delicious. What um, is your advice? My advice is, and this, I don't know how to say it other than these very simple words. In life, right, you're living your life and then your life will be done someday. That sounds grim, but that's the way it is. If in that process, the people around you at work or in your family or your friends, your spouse, if they don't know who you are because you just don't show, you're afraid to show who you are, like if you're afraid to say your opinion about something when you disagree, even on the smallest of things, I mean the smallest, like everybody else wants pizza and you want tacos and every single time, without fail, without exception, you always just don't express that. You don't show who you are. You don't show what you want. You don't show what you think. You don't show anything about yourself. And this sounds really harsh, but I just think, what's the fucking point? What is the point of being alive if you're not... If you don't show the people around you who you are? Because when someone does die, and we go to their funeral or we think about them later. We think about the things that made them who they are. And the things that made them who they are are the things that made us love them and that make us cry when we realize they're not around anymore. True. Now, if you consistently keep everything inside, you never express an opinion, you never show, you know, I'm notorious kind of at work for what people would call being like, I don't know, even know what the word is anymore. I'm not really... a they don't think I'm like a butt kisser or whatever. They just think I do whatever I want and I get anything I want. The reason this has been established is that over the 17 years that I've worked there, I do my elements of my job very well. I mean, I'm happy to pat myself on the back for that. I make mistakes and stuff still, but and I'm not like a brain surgeon. I work in a data center, but I do the tasks that I need to get done very well to the best of my training and ability over the years. And in addition to that, I have no problem saying, look at this project that I just made up to make this thing better. I want everybody to try it out and see if it makes everything better. And if it does, awesome. And when I do that, a lot of people look at me and have that thing of like, oh, 
So you're doing that little extra that makes me look bad because mm. I'm not doing anything extra. That's fine. I'm not afraid to show that. I'm not afraid for that person to judge me or to dislike me or to think I'm a snot or to think I'm spoiled or to think I'm full of myself. I just don't even care because that's who I am. If I were to drop dead right now and that person were to think of me later, they would attach those things to me. Well, she was a little bit pushy and she was kind of bossy and she kind of did her own thing and that's fine. That's who I am. Instead of somebody going, who was she? I don't know. I I must have talked to her a dozen times. I just don't don't know anything about her. I'm not saying that makes you unimportant in the world. I'm just saying if you don't show people who you are, then who are you? Like, are you, do you even know? Maybe that's the problem. True. I think fear of rejection. You're talking about like the meek person who doesn't really nah, I don't ever know that meek. I think that's kind of bullshit too. I've had somebody like that at workplaces though who they just, there's not really much to them. Or they don't let any of it out, like you say. Yeah. There might be a lot to them. Yes, exactly. Don't. So if there's a lot to you, and I'm not talking about being all showy and like center of attention and shit. That's kind of my thing. I mean, there are many theories on why people like me act the way we do. Youngest of four children, many, you know, almost a generation behind my siblings, you know, that kind of thing. And my personality combined to make me the way I am. And so I have no problem standing in front of a group of people and being the way I am. It doesn't bother me. I don't feel intimidated. I don't feel ashamed of anything, you know. And I, this meek, shy thing, I don't know. I just don't buy it. <laughs> that's not fair. That's not fair because if no, I'm the no, way I am, then someone else is the way they are. The thing is, I don't suffer from expressing myself. Some people might say I do because I don't have lots of friends and people might talk behind my back, but I don't give a shit. So I don't suffer. The shy, meek person, as I put quotation marks in the air, anyone I've ever known who's ever regrets not expressing themselves, regrets not saying what they want to say, they feel bad when they leave the situation and go, oh, pound themselves on the head and go, why didn't I say something? Why don't I, why do I put up with this? Why don't I... I have a really good idea, but no one will listen to me, so I'm not going to say it. And then they regret it. That's suffering True. to me. So, you know, show yourself. All right. I don't mean, like, show yourself. And um, I don't mean, like, <clears throat> expose yourself to everyone. Do that, too. You might get hurt. If, if the person that you are <laughs> wants to be, like, a... What's it called? Peep. Flasher, Flasher in the park. Yeah. Don't do that. A, it's illegal. And B, it's really rude. Could traumatize somebody. But if you want to sit down with another uh, person and go, you know what would be really weird and kind of like exciting if I would just walk through the park naked one time. That doesn't mean you're going to do it, but you've expressed that to somebody. They may or may not judge you for it. They may think you're a weirdo, but you've put it out there. And then if you drop dead, I keep saying this, later on they can go, wow, she's that kind of feisty one that said she'd walk through the park naked. That's that's pretty cool. You know. There was a time when you used to hear a lot about flashes in the park. Yeah, you did. Yeah, and you I never hear it ever, ever now, do you? you don't Too much ever... social media. So you got to nip that shit in the bud because well, you can get But what about those fat people who want to do that? They don't. You don't hear about them. They just... They're on the internet flashing, flashing themselves the, yeah, on every probably, opportunity. Yeah, to everybody. Yeah. Yep. You'll be watching a nice, what looks like a gardening video on YouTube and, and all of a sudden... the penis so... comes up. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Omegle is where they are. <laughs> so, um, yeah, let me uh, remind you about our website, sayschooly.com and sidto.com. Uh, you won't catch us flashing on there. You can catch no. us on Twitter and Facebook. 
Uh, you can also catch us on iTunes Music Store, Google Play, RSS feed. Just go to aschoolier.com slash podcast. You can listen to the podcast on the page or just subscribe. Email aschoolier at aschoolier.com. Don't email Sid Talk. She, uh... I mean, you can. <laughs> don't expect any reply. <laughs> you might. It just depends. And stay classy, Mr. Ben Affleck. Um, really looking forward to seeing that new movie is directed because he is one hell of a director. And I'm going to say, think for yourself. And if you don't do it, someone will do it for you.